want to thank everyone for coming. Everyone. <laughs> and um, the Parsha focuses, that it climaxes with the Akeda at the end of the Parsha. I want to first discuss two or three things leading up to the Akeda and show how they're preparing Avraham for the Akeda, or they show us how Avraham is really ready for the Akeda, and then we'll discuss one aspect of the Akeda itself. The Parsha begins by comparing the chesed that Avram does with the three angels to the lack of chesed that the angels encounter when they meet up with the, the people of Sdom. When the angels come to Avram, the Pasuk says that Avram looks out, There are three people standing over him. A few took him later, after Avram wines and dines them, we're told, Vehu omeid alehem, that he is standing over them. And the Medrash picks up on this, and the Medrash says that at first, the Parsha began with Avram being on the bottom of the ladder. And the Malachim were, Shlosha anashim nitzavim alav, they were standing on top of him. By the time Avram finishes serving them, Avram is omeid alehem. Avram is standing above them. And there's another medrash that tells us that when Moshe wanted to get the Torah, there was a fight that he had with the Malachim. And the Malachim say, we want the Torah. Moshe says, no, it's, it's, for, it's for B'nai Yisrael, it's for humans, not for angels. And what happens is the Malachim are winning the argument. And then Moshe is able to... Uh, to present himself as Avraham Avinu, and all of a sudden the Malachim give up. And the, the point of the Medrash is that the Malachim realize that the great chesed that Avram had within him, and the Malachim were so taken aback, and they were in such awe of Avram, that at the beginning they were standing on top of him, by the end is Huomed Alehem, they were taken aback by all of Avram's chesed, that they realized that this potential the potential to rise above who you are and reach out to others, that is what makes human beings unique and human beings deserve the Torah. And when the Malachim saw Moshe present himself as Avraham, right away they said, okay, we cannot, we cannot beat that. You guys deserve the Torah. And this is how the Parsha opens up with the Chesed of Avraham. There's another major section in the Parsha and that is Avraham's encounter with Avimelech. Avram goes down to Grar, the, the land of the Plishtim, and there Avimelech sees Sarah. He does not know that Sarah is Avram's wife, and he tries to take Sarah to be his queen. And Hashem appears to Avimelech, and Avimelech makes the statement, Hagam Tzadik Tarog. He says, Hagoi Gam Tzadik Tarog. Are you going to kill a whole nation? as well as the innocent people. And this idea, it's not the first time we've seen an argument like that, because if you look, when Avram is davening for stone, Avram uses the same exact argument. He says, are you going to kill the tzaddikim with the rishayim? But there's a telling difference between what Avram says and what Avimelech says. Avraham was saying, are you going to kill the tzaddikim as well as the rishayim? No, you shouldn't do that. Save the tzaddikim. And on their merit, save even the rishayim. 
But Avram had no personal gains by any of this. As opposed to Avimelech. Avimelech tells God, I'm a tzaddik. I'm innocent. I didn't really want to take Sarah. I didn't know that she was Avraham's spouse. And I'm innocent. So kill everybody else, but don't kill me. And we see a very important aspect of Avimelech's character and Avram's character. How Avraham is willing to daven for someone else. Whereas Avimelech is so self-centered that he's only, he only cares about himself. And we see this in the very next Aliyah as well. Avimelech comes to um, Avram and he says, I see that whatever you do, God helps you out with. I want to make a treaty with you. And Avimelech does not hide his intentions. He doesn't say, I'm doing it to benefit both of us. Avimelech is clearly in it only for himself. Whereas Avraham is willing to make treaties even when he is not the one who benefits, when he's strictly benefiting the other. And these two stories set the stage up for the Akedah. The first one is about the Chesed of Avraham, and the second story is about the treaties that Avraham will allow himself to enter where he gains nothing. And the common denominator between both of these is that when a person is constantly giving to the other, the person realizes that everything really belongs to God and I'm here to share. If something is in my possession, it's not really mine. I'm going to share it with, uh, with anyone who I can because it, it really belongs to neither of us. It belongs to God. The same thing with uh, the treaties that Avram enters. He's willing to enter a treaty that does not benefit him. And this will be very important when it comes to the Akedah, where we'll see that he has a treaty with God, they have an agreement, and here the agreement is not benefiting Avram in the least, and he's still willing to maintain this bridge, this treaty that they have. The final section of the Parsha, right before the Akedah, is a mini kind of Akedah. In this section, Avram wakes up early in the morning, he sends off one of his sons, and his son is about to die, and a malach, at the very last minute, saves the son. It's almost the exact same story as the Akedah, but this time the son is Yishmael. And Sarah tells Avram, this Yishmael cannot grow up with Yitzchak, he's a bad influence, I have to send him off. And Avram is upset, Avram does not want to send off Yishmael, and he does it only because God and Sarah tell him to. And he wakes up early in the morning, the Torah tells us. And he sends off Yishmael. Yishmael is going to die because of dehydration. He ran out of water. He's, the sun is beating down on him. And finally, at the very last minute, after Yishmael's mother already gave up hope, a malach appears and shows Yishmael and shows Hagar that there's really a, uh, an area where there's water. And Yishmael is able to drink the water and survive. And it's almost the identical story as the Akedah where Avram does not want to part with his son, but he's going to do so because God says so. And at the very last minute, an angel comes down and says, Avram, don't do it. It's almost the same exact story. And Rabbi Yitzchak Tversky says, it's purposely like that. The reason, the reason that the Akedah is all the more difficult for Avram is that he had to go through this just a few years earlier with Yishmael, and the only reason that he was able to go through with all this 
is because Hashem promised him ki bi Yitzchak yikare lechazara. Yitzchak is going to be your, he, he's going to be your tradition and you, he's going to carry on everything that you stand for. So Avram, not happily, unwillingly, but he accepts God's uh, command. He sends Yishmael off because he hopes that Yitzchak will be the one to carry on his tradition. And then comes the Akedah. And the Akedah is where Avram is, is uh, completely, his dreams are completely shattered at first. Where everything he stood for, he was asking, he was, uh, he was supposed to give up. And w- what's important to note before we discuss the Akedah is that everything in the Parsha is really a build-up to the Akedah. The Chesed that Avram did, only someone who realizes that everything belongs to God and not themselves, only they can part with their child. So they'll realize this child is not mine. The child is not even the child. The child belongs to God. And that's the attitude which allowed Avram to do all the chesed. And that's the attitude which allowed Avram to go through with the Akedah. The ability to realize that God gives, but everything really belongs to God. And the, the second aspect, the treaty with Avimelech, getting into agreements which don't benefit you. You get into agreement because you have a relationship with the other party. And if it doesn't help you, you still have to go through with it. Avimelech only got into treaties that would help him. Avram says, if there's a treaty, I'm going to stick to it, even if it doesn't benefit me. And that's what happens at the Akedah. He's willing to go through with whatever Hashem says because they have a treaty. And as a member of uh, an agreement, Avram cannot back out. And finally, the last thing before the Akedah is a mini Akedah with Yishmael. And Avram goes through with it only because he's confident, he's promised, he's guaranteed that Yitzchak will be his that will be his future comes the Akedah so we know the story I'm not going to spend so much time on that I want to discuss just one element of the Akedah and that is as follows after Avraham is successful in the test he calls the place of the Akedah Hashem Yireh Hashem Yireh he calls the place Hashem Yireh. And it's a strange name for the place. What does this name mean? Somehow this name summarizes everything that happened at the Akedah. And this is how Avram wants the place to be known. Hashem Yireh. If you, if you want to see it inside the Psukim, it's Perak Chafbez Pasuk Sorry, Yiddal, did you say? Yiddal, Pasuk Yiddal. It's the very end, towards the very end of the parsha. Vayikra Avraham Shem Hamakom Ahu Hashem Yireh Hashem. Avram calls the place Hashem will see. Asher Yamer Hayom. It should be said today. Behar Hashem Yireh. At the mountain of God, things will be seen. And it's a very cryptic, cryptic name for the place. What does this name really mean? I heard a very, very beautiful idea from Rabbi Yitzchak Tversky, and it really brings out the essence of the Akedah. All in this name, Hashem Yireh. Rabbi Tversky took a step back. He said, go back to Adam and Chava. Adam and Chava were supposed to be the, the leaders of the world. There wasn't supposed to be a Jewish people. Adam and Chava were supposed to be the parents of everybody, and everybody was supposed to worship Hashem. There wasn't supposed to be a unique chosen nation like Avram. 
all that was a result of the world not living up to the world's potential. And it all started with the first sin. Rabbi Tversky analyzes that first sin. He says, what was it that got Chava to sin? Why did Chava and then Adam, why did they eat from the Eitz Hadas? The Nachash tells Chava that when you eat this, you'll be godlike. You'll be able to decide for yourself what's good and bad. And Rabbi Tversky said, this is what got Chava and then Adam. They felt, we want to be the ones to decide between Tov and Ra. Rabbi Tversky says, if you look at the Pasuk of the sin, the Pasuk begins, Vatera ha'isha kitov ha'etz lamachal. The woman decides that this, is, this particular food is tov lamachal. It's good for eating. But Tversky says, look at the beginning of that Pasuk. Vatera ha'isha kitov. But Tversky says over and over again, six times in the first parak of Bracious, we find a similar expression. Vayar elokim kitov. Vayar elokim kitov. Every day except, uh, except Mondays. Monday doesn't have a kitov and Tuesday has two kitovs. But every day it says, Vayar elokim kitov. And you get to the third parak of Bracious, the Pasuk which tells us of the sin of Chava, and the Pasuk begins the same way, just switches one word. Instead of Vayar elokim kitov, Vatera haisha kitov. Kitov ha'etzlamachal, and so on. But Tversky said, look at the phrasing in the Pasuk. What happened at the sin was Chava wanted to be the one to decide between Tov and not Tov. And that sin is really taking God's role away from God and trying to usurp it for herself. Instead, I don't want God to be the one to decide what's good. That was his role in creation, but now he created me. It's up to me to decide what's Tov and what's not Tov. And that was the root of the sin. And the Nachash tells this to Chava. The Nachash says, The day you eat it, you'll be like gods. And that is the root of the first sin, and it's the root of every sin. Is when a person sins on purpose, they're deciding that God might have said one thing, but I want to be the one to decide for myself. And that was the sin of Chava. But Tversky points out that at the, at the very end of Parsha's Bracious, the generation that basically uh, finishes off the decree for the world's destruction, the generation that brings about the Mabul, we're told of the same exact problem. We're told that there were giants in the world and the giants would um, take the women of the weaker people and uh, they, would, uh, they would commit all sorts of immorality. And the Pasuk uses the same exact language. Instead of Vayar Elohim Kitov, the Pasuk says, Vayiru B'nei HaElohim as Benos Adam Kitovos Hena. The B'nei Elohim saw that the Benot Adam, that the women, were Tovot. Uh, that's Perek Vav, Pasuk, um, Pasuk Beis. And the, the psukim, it's almost the same exact phrase, Vayar Elohim Kitov. Instead of Vayar Elohim, it's Vayiru B'nei HaElohim. Kitovot, referring to the, the women which they desired. And it's the same sin of 
the people trying to take the place of God. And they missed the fundamental point that God created mankind with a tzalem elokim, with uh, godliness within, but the only way to actualize that tzalem elokim is to follow God, to obey God. By obeying God, you elevate your tzalem elokim. Chava and Adam and the whole society wanted to be godlike, and they wanted to be the ones to be elokim. They wanted to decide what's good and what's bad. That's the background Rabbi Tversky has for the Akedah. And he says, now go back to the name of the Akedah, of the place of the Akedah. Avram is about to do something which goes completely against everything he believes in and everything he taught the world. He taught the world in a merciful God. He taught the world how to act with mercy. And all of a sudden, Avram is asked, in the name of God, to kill. Where is the God of mercy? And where are the humans trying to emulate that mercy of God? This goes against everything Avram believes in. If there ever was a case of a person trying to figure out what's good and bad for themselves, the answer would never have been clearer than this particular case. Avram knows it is a wrong thing to do to kill one's son. And yet, God tells him to do it. And Avram says, I'm not going to repeat the flaw of Adam and Chava. I'm not going to repeat the flaw of the generation of the Mabul. Everybody else wanted to be like God, and they wanted to decide for themselves what's good. Avram says, if I know this in my own mind, and in my own heart, this is not the right thing, but if God says it, that makes it the right thing. A human should not argue with what God says is right. And what God says must happen, a human has no right to argue. Even if it's the complete opposite of what a human really feels inside. And as opposed to Adam and Chava and the early generations who went ahead and decided for themselves, Avram says, Hashem Yir'eh. Hashem is going to be the one to Yir'eh. Like Vayar Elohim Kitov. It's God's world. If this is what he says, this is what I do. Hashem Yir'eh. And these two words, the words that uh, Avram uses to name Har HaMoriah, the place where the Beis HaMikdash would be, Avram chooses these words, Hashem Yir'eh, because this is the ultimate, the ultimate tshuva for the sin of Adam and Chava and for the sins of all the early generations, where something goes completely against anything you feel inside and you're still going to go through with it because God says so. Rabbi Tversky said there's another place where we see this concept. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful demonstration of the same idea. Rabbi Tversky says if there's one thing that we as humans reading the Torah have trouble with, Zos Chukas HaTorah the biggest chok in the Torah, we're told, is the case of Paraduma. Paraduma. Shlomo HaMelech says that everything I was able to come up with a reason for, Paraduma was beyond me. And if you look at Paraduma, what's unique about Paraduma, it's not just something which we don't understand. It's something which is completely counterintuitive. 
That's different than not understanding something. There are plenty of chukim in the Torah. Every, almost every law in the Torah has elements of chok within it. Matzah, 18 minutes. Or what have, why not 17 minutes? Or um, kilayim. These two breeds can't be mixed together. It's only certain breeds. Why not other breeds? Even monetary laws. If you steal uh, a sheep, you have to pay uh, times four or five. And why not times six? Why not times seven? Every law has elements of chok in it that we don't understand, that we yield to God. Paraduma is in its own league because it's not only something we don't understand, it's the opposite of what we would have said. Let me explain. Paraduma is when a person becomes tame, they come into contact with a dead body, they're tame, and in order for them to become tahor, they have to have a cow that's red. Usually white is the symbol of purity. Here you have a cow that's red, and out of all animals, the one animal that we tend to shy away from is a cow, because it represents the Egel Hazav. And yet we're using a red cow instead of a white sheep or something. A red cow and in order to get rid of the Tumah. And on top of that, not only is it a red cow, but we use ashes from a red cow. And ashes themselves, we know that's a, that's a sign of mourning. It's a sign of death. So you're taking all the things which you associate with sin and you associate with Tumah and you're using it to remove Tumah. You're taking a red cow and using its ashes to make somebody who's already tame. You're, you're using it to make them tahor. So Shlomo says, other chukim I could, I, I don't understand necessarily. I could come up with different reasons, but here it's everything that I would have said, but it's the opposite. Don't take ashes. Only take water. Don't take. Uh, a red cow, use a white sheep. Why are you using a red cow and ashes? It's the opposite of what I would have thought. Shabbat Tversky says it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful idea that's, that's being said here. Why is there Tumah in the world? And why do we need Paraduma? It all relates to death. In fact, Paraduma is only for one kind of Tumah. It's the Tumah that, you know, that is called Tumah's mace. When someone comes into contact with a dead body. That's the only time you need a paraduma. Now, why is there death in the world? The Pasuk tells us that because Adam and Chava sinned at the Eitz Hadas, that brought death into the world. Chazal have a tradition that mankind would have lived forever had it not been for that sin. Once Adam and Chava sinned, now there's a decree of death in the world. That's what the Pasuk means. So death came about in this world because man refused to yield to God. That's the sin of Adam and Chava. They wanted to be the gods. They wanted to be godlike. And that attitude brought death into the world. And that attitude created what's called Tumas Mes. So how do we fix that Tumah? What's the way to overcome that attitude? It's to take something which not only does not make sense to us, but is the exact opposite of something that we would think. And by yielding to God and doing the opposite of what makes sense to us, that saying 
We regret what Adam and Chava did. We regret trying to decide for ourselves. We want to be like Avram and follow what you say, even if it is the opposite of what our instincts would tell us. And that's why by Para Aduma, it's the exact opposite of what we would think. It's a red cow, not a white sheep. It's ashes. Why? Because God said so. Does it make sense? Is it the opposite of what we would think? Yes, and that's the point. That's the message of the Akedah. Hashem Yireh, that Hashem's got to be the one to decide what's right and wrong, even when it's the opposite of everything that Avram was preaching to the world. And the same idea by the Paraduma, that it's the exact opposite of what we would think, and that's exactly why it cures us from this kind of Tumah, from the Tumas Mace. This is, I think, the, um, what the Parsha is really building up to. And uh, the end, just, uh, let me just sum up, is that the, the Parsha builds up to the Akedah. At the beginning of the Parsha, you speak about Avram's Chesed and how the Malachim were in awe of Avram. And that when Moshe wanted to get the Torah, Moshe said, look, we come from Avram. And the Malachim said, okay, you come from Avram, we, we yield to you. And the idea of that is that Avram stood for Chesed and an attitude of Chesed is one in which you realize that everything belongs to Hashem. Next stage in the Parsha, Avram meets up with Avimelech. Avimelech davens for himself, saying, don't kill any tzaddikim. Don't kill me. That's what Avimelech says. And he later comes to Avram with, a, with an idea for a treaty and he says, you know why I'm making a treaty? Because of you. Everything that you do is good. I want a part of that. Please let me in on this treaty. So Avram says, I'll get into a treaty. And once I'm a member of this treaty, I'm not going to back out. And that's all, that also prepares Avram for the Akedah. He has a bris with God at the end of Parshish Lech Lecha, and he says, I'm not going to back out of that bris. Then the final stage before the Akedah is this mini Akedah with Yishmael. He wakes up early. He sends off his son against his own wishes. And at the end, the Malach saves Yishmael. The exact same thing that's about to happen with Yitzchak. The only reason why Avram goes through with it is because he was promised that he would be able to have Yitzchak. Yitzchak would be his future. You get to the Akedah, everything is working in the opposite of what Avram had in mind. His chesed, now he's asked to kill someone. His treaty, he's not getting anything out of this treaty with God. And his confidence in the future of Yitzchak, Hashem tells him, Haleu le'olah, put him on the Mizbeach. And Avram goes through with it. And it's all because he has the attitude of Hashem Yireh. That Hashem is the one who decides between good and bad. And that's the attitude that we all show when we do the paraduma. And the, the message in our lives is, is, a, is a pretty straightforward message, is that many times we always try to decide for ourselves, and uh, sometimes we have to yield and say, let's look at what the halacha says. I'll just close with one more point, and then that will be it. I was just teaching uh, a few weeks ago, there's a Gemara in Kiddushin, and the Gemara says that Gemara is discussing that it's the father's obligation to support it, to, uh, to teach the child, but the father, if they have to choose, if only one of them could learn, the father has to take care of himself first. Every person has to look out for themselves first. Except the Gemara says, what if the son is a prodigy? And the son is off the charts. So the Gemara says, in that one case, the father should allow the son to learn. And the Gemara tells a story where a father sent the son to learn in a certain base medrash, and 
after a while, the father saw that this son, who he thought was a prodigy, was not really such a prodigy. And when the son came home, the father gave him a little bechina to see how much, uh, to, to see what the son was accomplishing. And the father realized that this son was not fulfilling his potential. The father tells the son, you stay home, you support the family a little bit, I'm going to go learn. The father goes to learn. And we're told that there was a snake in this base medrash. And it wasn't a real snake, it was a mazik, whatever that means. Some kind of demon took on the form of a snake and it was in this base medrash. And the snake had seven heads. And when the father got to the base medrash, the father bowed down seven times and in each, with each bow, a head fell off from the snake until finally after seven bows, the snake was headless and it just uh, self-destructed. That's what the Gemara says. And the question is, what does this Gemara mean? So it occurred to me that the snake in the Gemara represents the snake of Gan Eden that we spoke about. And the snake's attitude and his approach to convincing Chava to sin was, it doesn't matter so much what God says. It's what you think is right. In this particular base medrash that the father sent his son off to, the son started off as a prodigy and came out of this base medrash not being a prodigy. There was some flaw in this base medrash. And perhaps the flaw was that when they learned, they didn't learn to the utmost and they didn't dig as deep as they could, as they could have, because they felt that when push came to shove, they would be the ones to decide for themselves what's good and what's bad. They learned the Gemara, they know the basic topics, but if you ask them, what should I do in this case, they would not be prepared to answer from what they learned, because when they learned, they always had in the back of their mind this idea that this is Gemara, but when it really comes down to a practical question, I'm going to decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. So Hashem was sending a message to this base medrash by sending a mazik in the form of a nachash. And the nachash represents this attitude. The nachash tells Chava, it doesn't matter what God says, you could decide for yourself. And that was the flaw in this base medrash. And we're told that when the father bowed down seven times, each time he bowed, a head fell off. That represents the idea that if the father recognized that people were not yielding to Hashem, they weren't bowing and yielding to God's will. They wanted to be the ones to decide for themselves what was right and what was wrong. And finally, when the father bowed down for the seventh time, and by the way, we have seven times we bow down to Shemona Esrei. We have the beginning and the end of the first bracha, the beginning and the end of the Modim, and then the Oseh Shalom we bow three times, so that's seven. And when the, when the father was able to humble himself completely before God and say, I'm not going to repeat the mistakes of my son and that base medrash where they had the, the attitude of you could decide for yourself. So they weren't so uh, intense in their learning. So once the father showed that he did not have that attitude, that he was going to yield to God, the mazik was destroyed. And that's the message of this parsha of Hashem Yireh and the message of the para aduma that zos chukas Torah, the chok of the Torah, the way that the Torah works has to be with this mind frame of Hashem Yireh, that Hashem has to be the one to decide between right and wrong. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. And uh, the rest of the week, may it be a good week.